0: it's time for another episode of the cheat sheet the podcast
1: where we interview top VCE performers and deconstruct the strategies they use to achieve incredible results at school and in life
0: good morning good evening good afternoon whatever time it is for you listening to this podcast uh, it's monique with you back today and i have michael here who's just flown back from china mm-hmm. exciting times michael uh graduated last year yep uh, f- and is now studying a bachelor of commerce at melbourne university some of his high school achievements include uh scoring 40 plus in eal uh And he completed two early entry VCE subjects in 2014, accounting and further mathematics, which he did very well in both subjects. So, Michael, you have a bit of an interesting story, um, I find. So, we might start at the start and talk about um, how you originally lived in China, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I did.
0: And then you came across to Australia in
1: 2011? Yes, that second half.
0: Yep, second half of 2011, and I um, just wanted to sort of, uh, off the bat, ask you about what it was like moving from China to Australia, and maybe a little bit about the difference in uh, doing school over there and starting school in Australia.
1: Yeah, sure. So, when I first came here to Australia, it was a bit overwhelming, I would say. Uh, when I turned on the radio, everyone was talking so fast, and it's like everything in English, uh, my English wasn't that good back uh-huh. then so it's like a struggle even listening to the radio and watching TV but that's Australia, you just gotta live with that, deal yeah. with it
0: yeah, D- so did you um, learn to speak English at school in China?
1: I did start learning English in primary school but then it was like the very basics like Basic, how yeah. are you, fine thank you, yeah. kind of like that and we had to recite these stupid conversations in our textbooks, which wasn't very interesting to me. But that was... I think. Now, thinking back, it was kind of helpful.
0: Yeah, because you had the basics down yeah, back. Yeah, had the you basics down
1: back. It. But then when I went to high school, we actually did have a foreign teacher coming with us for an hour every week. Mm-hmm. So that's really helpful... Because you actually get to speak English, English with someone in, conversation. in yep. conversation. And it's like you can't use Chinese when you, don't under- uh, when you don't know how to say something because he doesn't understand any Chinese. Yeah. It's just a first-hand experience that is really crucial, I think.
0: Yeah. And then when you came across to Australia and you started going to school and doing all your classes in English, did you notice a massive improvement
1: uh, in your English? Uh, I first started school When I first started school here I had term four in year eight I remember vividly Because at that time I was like I had no friends Couldn't understand what the teacher was saying In class most of the time So I had to ask uh, Some classmate But luckily there was one of them Who was like Australian born Chinese AKA ABC So <laughs> she could help me with what the teacher was saying but the assignments for english was still a struggle yeah other than that i can uh, i mean the math and science stuff was pretty easy for me because of the high level of difficulty chinese Mm -hmm. curriculum was yeah so the only struggle was pretty much in english and how to listen to what the teacher was saying mm. how do you understand what they kind of wanted me to say and they wanted me to do
0: and then since then obviously you've come a massive long way because you'd very well in eal you even received a um a prize from monash university for being nominated for um your your skills in eal um so i, I kind of wanted to ask you about some strategies that you used in those early days Uh, You already mentioned sort of having friends that knew both languages. Um, But did you have any other strategies of becoming so fluent in English?
1: Uh, One way I did was I was watching a lot of uh, Hollywood films and US comedy. Okay. I kind of wanted to learn the accent but the Aussie accent is too overwhelming. (laughs) It's (laughs) It's too too easy, it's too catchy, you just can't (laughs) get rid of it. So, yeah. Um, But watching those drama, I mean, comedy and films in English with subtitles on kind of helps me to know what I... It helps me with spoken language. Mm -hmm. And once your spoken English is better, you can go meet all those people who doesn't speak Chinese or when they only... they're only fluent in English, so I know some people don't like speaking Chinese in the crowd They are more comfortable with English, mm-hmm. so yeah, you get to make more friends after your spoken English is better Also, I liked listening to music at that time, Michael Jackson was my favorite Oh yeah? So I listened to him and I also listened to Westlife, which is an Irish band
0: Okay, so English music. English
1: music, English movies and drama. Books? Books. I read a bit of books. It's like a prescribed textbook from my family friend. He was a year higher than me, so he lent me that book. I read. I read it for like a year and then found a lot of words I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. Took me quite a while to remember all those words, but I probably forgot half of it already.
0: (laughs) But that's a good way to expand your vocabulary. Yeah, it's
1: a good way to expand vocab. Mm -hmm. And yeah.
0: And so then you um, went on to do some early early entry VCE subjects in year 11, you did, as I mentioned earlier, you did accounting and further maths. Yes. So I wanted to ask you about how you chose to do those two subjects early on.
1: So accounting, I actually started in year 10 as early entry because I was offered this opportunity. As a uh, as a 1-2? As unit 1-2 one, one, subject mm-hmm. in year 10. I kind of wanted to do two in year 10, but because uh, during course counseling, which is mm-hmm. the middle of the year, my teacher was like, your average wasn't good enough, so mm-hmm. we can't give you... Oh, it's actually not because of my average. It's because I wanted to do a Unit one to Chinese early, but I didn't do Chinese that year. Oh,
0: so okay. the teacher
1: wouldn't let me. But later on, during course confirmation... I had a chat with one of the Chinese teachers. They th- kind of said, I can't do Chinese because I'm like, I came straight here yeah, cause from it's China. It's like my, f- my first language. And I was like, yeah, that was a good idea. But I heard accounting is pretty uh, pretty fun mm-hmm. and easy subject, relatively easy because it doesn't have that high requirement. Well, English. Okay, it's yeah. mostly tables. Although there's a bit of expl- explanations to do uh, theory questions.
0: So you're more comfortable with, as you said before, yeah, you're more comfortable. I'm with more those comfortable with subjects. the
1: number subjects, mm-hmm. logics, and stuff. So I actually, and because in year nine we also did a on a subject called dollars and cents. Mm-hmm. That was uh, like, like a, a general subject. intro introductory commerce. Subjects, and I found accounting pretty manageable. So I uh, applied for both Chinese and accounting. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there was a clash. Okay. With the timetable, there's only two Chinese, one Chinese class, mm-hmm. and accounting class was like in clash with them. Mm-hmm. So I had to choose, and I decided accounting might be a better option because I'm slightly disadvantaged compared to those doing first language coming year 11, 12 so I think accounting might work better and I ended up doing accounting mm-hmm. and in year 11 it's a different story year 11 well because I've already decided not to do Chinese I can do another early entry subject because my grade was good enough accounting, yeah, it was after a year I think accounting is something that I like to do so I kept, kept doing accounting and for what I know is that I some people who came early, like in year eight, year nine, to Australia from China, they tend to do further math in year eleven, and usually rec- receives a score of forty plus, mm-hmm. sometimes even fifty. So another so, another
0: subject that you are quite comfortable with. Yeah, to do. it's another and, subject uh, I'm quite
1: comfortable with. And also because many of my family friends are actually doing that.
0: Okay, so you have that help So in the support system.
1: It's not really about the help. It's about the experience. They were like, oh, that subject is easy to handle if mm-hmm. you're doing too early entry in year 11. Mm-hmm. So I chose those two subjects and turns out they worked pretty well. With yeah,
0: you. they did. They worked well for you in the end. Um, and how did that sort of set your... How did doing those two early entry subjects affect your year 12 studies. You ended up doing four subjects in year 12. Is that right?
1: Yeah, because the school actually has a policy. If you get uh, two early entry subjects in year 11 and then have a study score of 40 plus for both subjects, you can drop one and Mm -hmm. do only four at school. So I was uh, very fortunate to be able to drop a subject. And year 12, I only had... Four subjects, which means I have more time I can spend on English to write more practice essays, read more, kind of talk more with my teachers because I always visit them during my spares. So it
0: sounds like that that was a little bit of um, an advantage for you.
1: It was very beneficial.
0: To have those two subjects out of the way. And you mentioned that you had more time to spend on your English studies, which is the next thing that I wanted Mm -hmm. to talk to you about. Uh, so looking at EAL, which you did very well in, do you know how, um, EAL differs from mainstream English? Cause there might be a few people listening today who know about the, um, the mainstream English sort of format. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what does the EAL study design look like? Is it quite similar?
1: EAL study design comprises of, uh, three sections. Mm-hmm. Section A is... Uh, standard text response. You write an essay, uh, based on the two, either one of the two textbooks you read during the term. Mm-hmm. I mean during the year. And second part is a essay on context, mm-hmm. which is the both two parts are pretty similar to mainstream English, but the third part differs. It's uh persuasive language, and we had to do two tasks. First, uh, we are given only one essay or speech. I can't, uh, it doesn't matter what it is, sometimes it can be a yeah. blog or whatever. And your first task is to use the information provided and write com uh compose I would say uh note form summary. Mm-hmm. So you okay. must not use full sentences and use a lot of symbols simple words but you can't overwrite. Mm-hmm. It has to provide very clear idea of what the S- and what the text was talking about and what are the contentions or arguments the author has used. And the second part is using the same text, you have to discover at least three persuasive techniques, techniques. and explain how they uh, help the author to persuade, the audience to support a certain argument Argument. that the author was talking about.
0: Okay, so it it sounds quite similar to what I did in mainstream English, just with that slight difference in Section Section C. C. So what sort of, how did you tackle the EAL exam and what sort of tips would you have for someone going into EAL in year 11 or year 12?
1: Well. Uh, in terms of exams, I wouldn't say that's too much tips. It's just that you don't freak out during the exam and usually spend, although teachers say 30 minutes in lang- persuasive language and equally split the rest in the two essay part. Mm-hmm. I kind of felt like I used about one hour and 10 minutes in both essays and 40 minutes in... Uh, persuasive language, just because I have I think Contrary to popular belief, persuasive language is actually the hardest part To handle Because uh, for the essays, you have a TEAL format that you can follow So maybe It's personal opinion, some people wouldn't agree, but that's how I handled it And Yeah, do the exam not in order Do not do the exam in order. Whatever you feel most comfortable with, you do it first. Uh, I actually wanted to do persuasive language first, as my teacher told me, but I found the context topic was almost identical to one of my practice topics. So I did context first, and I managed to finish in an hour.
0: So tackling what you know... Tackling
1: what you're most familiar with first. First. And then going from there. Yeah. And when... Preparing for the exams, it's very important to first write a lot of essays, well, maybe not a lot of different topics, but different versions of the same topic. Say if you write a first draft, and then maybe write a second or third draft on the same topic to see where you can improve, Mm -hmm. and constantly ask your teachers for help, for feedback, and well, it requires teachers to help you, so a good relationship with your teachers is really important.
0: Yeah, we've heard that a lot in our, in our interviews, that using your teachers and building those relationships really important. But
1: sometimes if, you, if your teacher isn't exactly your learning style, you might need to find someone else who is capable of helping you. Yep. Because I find from uni, I find that if your teacher's style doesn't suit yours, you tend to do really bad well not really bad but you tend to do not as well in the subject you lose focus really fast and yeah you just find the subject boring and dry so
0: so seeking out help seeking from, out help other from as well.
1: people who has same style as you same learning style teaching style whatever it is but people that you think you get along with really well and is capable of helping you with whatever you are having trouble with. Yeah.
0: Right. Fantastic. And I just wanted to ask you about your co curricular activities mm-hmm. now because that that in my mind relates to your EAL studies. Yeah. Because you got involved in a lot of public speaking at high school, mm-hmm. didn't you? How do you think getting involved in that co curricular activity helped you in your studies?
1: Well, public speaking is one thing I was really passionate about because yeah, I'm I remember. talkative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a good chance to crack jokes. I like cracking jokes.
0: <laughs> In front of an audience.
1: Yeah, but sometimes the jokes might get a little naughty like the one we did uh, on our final general assembly. The teachers didn't like
0: it. <laughs> you had some very memorable <laughs> speeches, I remember, uh, Michael. But- <laughs>
1: The thing is, public speaking is closely related to oral presentations within both English, mainstream English and EAL studies Definitely And if you are good at public speaking, you tend to do well in oral presentations and Because public speaking makes you confident And in the future, when you enter the workforce when you enter your career, chances are you're going to do reports to your managers. Mm, and definitely. if you haven't done public speaking before, then it's going to be a big challenge for you. So I think participate in those co-curricular um, activities such as public speaking or debating. It always help. It always help.
0: With your English skills as well. Regardless
1: of whether you're born here or born overseas. Definitely. It definitely develops your English skills. Maybe not your written skills, but most (laughs) importantly, your presentation skills. Because that is actually a research. Only 40% of the effectiveness is dependent on your words. The rest Mm. is from your presentation. Yeah, I've heard that
0: one too. Such an important skill to have.
1: It's very crucial. It was really
0: good that you got involved with that. And you did mention... um, one of your legendary speeches um
1: not legendary i wouldn't say <laughs>
0: but you had a few opportunities to speak in front of groups because you got quite involved in leadership yeah. as well when you um when you moved over to australia can you talk to me a bit about how you found that interest in leadership and where that took you
1: Ah, uh, well it all comes down to you and sam in year nine because you we were <laughs> such amazing year level captains
0: oh thank you and Michael.
1: that was an inspiration for me to take part in leadership and I kind of dream to be uh, a school captain when I go to year twelve, but uh, unfortunately, my application didn't go through. So,
0: but you still landed yourself. I a still landed myself position.
1: into SRC executive, which is good enough.
0: Fantastic. Which Anything is really
1: that is good enough. I just want to have a shot at everything I can do. So
0: that's a really great attitude. Take every have.
1: opportunity you have in high school. That's very important i would say
0: such a great message and have you carried that sort of mentality going into uni studying at melbourne mm-hmm. have you taken up many opportunities so far How have you found the transition
1: uh there was a orientation week in uni and uh, a lot of clubs are recruiting people some are recruiting uh, recruiting committee members and i think yeah i did leadership in high school i i was helping organizing events so i think yeah i might find this handy so i joined this uh chinese chess club committee and Mm -hmm. yeah it's been running smoothly for half a half a year one semester
0: awesome so you've taken that mentality into your into your uni studies yeah it is fantastic thank you so much michael for speaking us today i think that our listeners can really take out that message of taking up as many opportunities and especially someone who's come from overseas and studies in their second language just trying to take up any opportunity just to speak don't be the afraid. language not being afraid being confident and uh, making as you know many friends as you can to have discussions
1: and also i think there's one thing i forgot to say earlier on Yeah, of course. is that uh, what I know is that some people coming overseas Tend to make friends with those who are who have the same cultural background Say, I know a lot of Greek people in my year level Who make friends with Greek, other Greek people mm-hmm. And I know quite a few Chinese international students Only hang around in their little room But I think it's really important to make friends with locals Or maybe some even other nationalities because our our word is global... Uh, what do you call it? Globalization?
0: Yeah, globalization, yeah.
1: Yeah, because of the pace of globalization, in the future there will be people from different countries all over the world and it's important that you know how to make friends with people who don't often share the same opinion as you, same cultural background, but they are always there if you seek out to them to establish a friendship then they are always there they're always available and sometimes in the future they might even become your say business partner overseas yeah,
0: so and true.
1: they might co-author um, co-write a book with you You might start a company together.
0: Yeah, the possibilities are endless. Yeah, Building those relationships is uh, some really good advice. Exactly. And on that note, we'll leave it there, Michael. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to check out a summary of what Michael said, please head on over to our website, which is www.thecheatsheet.net.au slash Michael. And we'll see you next time.
1: Like this episode? Head to thecheatsheet.net.au for show notes, real-life cheat sheets and links to our social media pages. Thanks for listening.